When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Happy New Year to you and happy college football playoff semifinal day. We've finally arrived. Those games are going to be played later this afternoon into the evening. But where we start today on Greeny is in the NFL. Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Knight, so along with Braden Gall as we fill in today. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. And where we begin was probably the most shocking result of the day yesterday, Braden, because things have not been going well for the Philadelphia Eagles. But they had a team that had been struggling, has not won a lot of games, coming into town with the Arizona Cardinals playing the Eagles yesterday. And, well, they ended up falling apart at the end, the defense costing them yet another game as they give up a game-winning drive to Kyler Murray and company. It's... It's at the point where, do you start to panic about this defense? Are we worried about how good this Eagles team actually is? I I certainly think there are big questions about it. Now, this is one of those sort of like uh, the chicken or the egg here, right? Like they, they play Kansas City. They give up 168 yards rushing after the bye back in week 11. They they win that game, right? They come Mm -hmm. back. They beat Buffalo in overtime the following weekend, but they give up 173 yards rushing in that game. They lose to San Francisco, of course, pretty ugly fashion, give up 150 yards rushing in that game. They lose to Dallas, of course, uh, in a fairly ugly fashion, 138 yards rushing. Seattle, over 100 yards rushing. They beat the Giants, of course, <laughs> but still give up over 100 yards rushing. I mean, rushing. who would and, lose to the Giants? Right, exactly. Yeah, well, only only a team in Wisconsin. But uh, two, <laughs> 221 yesterday was the real story. 221 yards rushing. Kyler Murray, they 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 just leaned on James Conner from the beginning of the game. They controlled the clock. They the time of possession was completely out of whack. And at one point, you know, Jalen Hurts just didn't have enough time to be on the field long enough. And they still had a fairly easy lead. So it's not even. I mean, they were up like twenty-one to six, I think, at one point in that yeah. game. And they so, were up twenty-one six at half. Yeah, and you're just going. Uh, so it's look when you read off that stretch of games, those are the best teams in the in the NFC and in the NFL. There's no question probably about that. I know Baltimore's not on that list, so no, it's not meant to be a shot at Baltimore. But those are among the best teams in the NFL. But guess who you play in the playoffs, Gabe? <laughs> I think it's the best teams in the NFL. I mean, I haven't play. looked at the standings recently, but I think that's how the playoffs are supposed to That's how they're designed to work. It doesn't that always is, necessarily work out that way. It is, in fact, uh, a tournament to decide who is the best. <laughs> that is what happens. And so, yes, I think the way – listen, James Conner's very good. Kyla Murray – that offense for the Cardinals is different with him in the lineup. Um, they're going to, you know, they're they're picking Michael Carter's off a scrap heap and using him effectively yesterday. So yes, I'm very concerned about the defense because that defense is where, you know, again, first ten weeks of the season, one time they gave up over 100 yards rushing. They were dominating teams uh, on that in that side of the the world. Again, totally shut down Miami. Uh, running the football, one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL. So, I I mean, yes, I'm absolutely concerned. It doesn't mean it can't be righted, and it doesn't mean we haven't seen teams fix this stuff. Beat the Giants this week, all of a sudden, 
you know, maybe you still clinch the division and uh, and all of a sudden you're you're off and running. Well, so that's the issue is that they open the door for the Dallas Cowboys. More on them in just a moment. But right now, the Eagles are the fifth seed. They would have to go on the right. road for every playoff game as a wild card. Nick Sirianni yesterday after the game talked about his belief in his team, but more specifically the defense. I still believe in the guys in that locker room, the players. I still believe in the coaches. I think we got the guys in this place to to get it turned in the right direction. We don't have much time, obviously, right? We got one more game before playoff starts, and you know we got we got to do everything we can do to get back on track this this upcoming week. I think there's been spurts. Um, the la- obviously the last couple games where we played, you know, good good uh, ball on defense. Uh, tonight wasn't one of those times. I mean, I don't know how much faith you do have in everyone in that building, seeing as how you change defensive play callers. That kind of signifies you don't necessarily have belief in everybody there, but that's what you have to say when you're the head coach <laughs> right. stepping up to the podium at the end. You have to maybe look a little closer at the actions that the Eagles have taken. And I'm with you in terms of I thought that this was a Philadelphia Eagles team, and, yeah, you had a rough stretch of schedule, man. That's tough. And no matter who you are in the NFL this year, You've probably had a rough stretch of games. I think of the three-game losing streak the 49ers had, a couple of the losses that sure. um, the Ravens have gone through. It's just it's the nature of a 17-game season. You have a rough patch, and the Eagles just happen to coincide with the toughest part of their schedule. But it was supposed to start to get right yesterday and then continue that momentum into that Giants game, and then you start rolling through the playoffs. You're the two-seed. Okay, now you get another shot at the 49ers in the NFC Championship game because, I mean, the NFC's pretty mediocre, and who else is going to challenge you and – Suddenly, you've become more mediocre, and the 49ers really look like that team that's going to be almost impossible for anybody else in the NFC to beat. Uh, look, I think the 49ers are the best team, and I don't, I, I don't say this lightly, and I don't mean it to be, again, an insult to Baltimore, uh, I, because I saw what happened on Monday night two weeks ago. I still think the 49ers are the most complete football team in the league. I still think they are the team that I would pick to win the whole thing. Should there be a rematch in the Super Bowl, let's say, of one seed, now that Baltimore and the Niners have both clinched the top seed in each conference, I, you know, the way Baltimore has lost some players uh, over the course, key players, uh, and and San Francisco also banged up right now. They need some. They need that rest, and that one seed's really beneficial to them. I will say this though about the Eagles: like again, how let's see how it finishes, and if you dominate a Giants team, because again, they had four hundred forty nine yards of offense, thirty two first downs. And they didn't even have time of possession yesterday. They had the lead multiple times. So, yes, there are questions about the defense, and I think they're warranted, but mostly in the rushing side of things. Uh, they have the personnel, right? Like, there's guys on that front seven that, that are good enough, that are experienced enough to sort of flip the switch and get right against the Giants this weekend. And then let's see what happens. Because, again, if they're the 5 seed, what's going to happen? They're going to go on the road to play Tampa Bay, New Orleans? Like, like, are you super scared? Like, I'm not scared. They, they could easily get right in two straight games and be going into the divisional round playoffs on the road, yes, but with a team that's been to a Super Bowl, with an experienced quarterback, with a great offense, and a defense that maybe has found its footing over the last two weeks, there, there's worse situations to be in. So I'm not, I'm not in, like, full jump off the, the, the sinking ship yet for the Eagles. Unless one of those teams in the Rams or the Packers, Seahawks, whoever ends up in that number seven seed, unless they win a game... That means as the wild card, you'd be going to San Francisco. And that's the tough part of being that five seed. But this loss by the Eagles yesterday absolutely threw everything into a mess in terms of seeding because of also what happened on Saturday. 
and you can be a part of the Greeny Nation. Dr. Pepper call in line, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. Not college football season without the delicious taste and ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. I'm Gabe Neitzel. He's Braden Gulls. We fill in today on Greeny on ESPN Radio. And when you, when you take a step back and just look at the entire picture of the NFC playoffs and the things that happened, the, the call... <laughs> And the mess up by Brad Allen and his officiating crew not getting the correct person reported for the Lions has a huge ripple effect thanks to this Eagles loss. Okay, maybe before if the Eagles win this game, okay, you're going to be locked into the three seed anyway, Detroit, whatever. But, I mean, if Detroit wins that game, suddenly they've got an opportunity at the number one seed. They have the same record as the Niners. The Niners have to play their game. The the ripple effects of the combination of the Eagles loss plus the screw-up-and call that gave the Cowboys the game, is it's just massive in the NFC. Now, what's interesting is, and this is how my galaxy brain works with football sometimes, because I think, uh, like, I understand fans when they blame a kicker, right, for missing a field goal and losing a sure. game, or there's one bad call like this, which, again, this is an egregious call in the most critical play that already happened. Like, there's not many, there's not many games where I would blame an official for, for costing the team a game. You, there, and how many plays are in an NFL game? 130 yep. plays? Mm-hmm. 130 plays where you had an opportunity for your team to make a play and you didn't. You shouldn't leave it up to the – this is what every coach will tell you. You shouldn't leave it into the hands of the referee to make the decision. Now, this is one of the very rare instances where the play worked <laughs> and the outcome had already been decided. And there's only one other time I can think of. And, Gabe, I know you know it very well. <laughs> there's only one other time – two. Two wait, other wait. times I can think of <laughs> – where the NFL did, like where a call specifically decided an outcome of a critical game, and that was the pass interference call, of course, in the Superdome with the Rams, right? Yep. And then, and then I would say the Seattle Seahawks and the Packers, hail Mary, the fail the Mary. Fail Mary. Yes. Like those are the only two where I look at it and go, I actually do blame the officials. This one's on that list. But to your point, uh, this is where my brain, how my brain works. Dallas shouldn't have been in the situation in the first place. Because Mike McCarthy threw the ball on second down when he should have run the football yep. when they have no timeout. So kind of in theory, it kinda it should have been this way anyway, but Mike McCarthy screwed it up and all that all that yeah, happened. But in is... fairness, it's not the first time Mike McCarthy's had, you know, game <laughs> clock management issues, right? Like it's not very, the first time that's happened. Very valid point. <laughs> um, but again, like it's it's one of those where Dallas probably should have won the game if you go back and replay the final two possessions, right? Like yeah. Dallas probably should have won the game. So I agree with what you're saying. Absolutely. It changes the one seed potentially. It changes the NFC East. It changes the playoff pecking order. It totally changes the matchups and therefore changes how the entire tournament is going to play out. So you could point to this one decision. But in the moment, if you take sort of that galaxy brain context away, meaning Dallas should have won the game probably because they, they screwed up the final possession where they should have run the ball three straight times instead of throwing it three straight times, and milk the clock down to as what it probably would have been like fifty something seconds or so. Yeah. Instead of giving Jared Goff the ball back with a, with one forty one, he gets the ball back with fifty five seconds and no timeouts, and it, we might not even be having this conversation. So, so that's one side of it. But in the moment, yes, in the moment, one human being. What I think happened is one human being made a, made a mistake, a very big mistake. But one human being made a mistake, and it changes the entire dynamics of the NFC playoff picture because of the Eagles' loss, because they can't get a stop on on one drive against the Cardinals. And to that point, it gets it just exasperated because of if the Eagles win yesterday, I think nobody outside of – I mean, we remember the moment, certainly, because it's been a bad year of officiating, but nobody outside of Detroit is probably howling about this because you, you kind of take this you know, even further step back. You know, well, 
okay, the Eagles won, so they would have been here anyway and these sort of things. But because the Eagles lost and sent everything else into just question in the NFC, that's where this call becomes that much more important. And Dan Campbell um, was talking about the explanation he was given by the officials after they were called for the penalty. Yeah, the explanation was 70 reported. Yes. And did they need to announce that if if both um, players report? Two people can't report. I don't want to talk about it. Right? <laughs> I explain everything pregame to a T. Okay, I did that. Seventy reported. Fifty-eight didn't. Or 68 didn't. We threw it to 68. That was the explanation. Yeah, so. Uh. And that's the other part because. I feel you, Dan. I feel you, buddy. I know that maybe fans aren't as privy to this information. And we're starting to learn more and more about it, I think, because of the bad officiating that we've had this year. But the you know coaches, players, they talk to the officials before the game. And if there's going to be something a little different, a little wonky in their game plan, they give them a heads up. So Brad Allen should have been able to recognize in the moment, oh, this is what Dan Campbell was talking to me about. I should probably be paying a little bit of closer attention here because Decker said he never did report. He ran out there, but he didn't actually report, and it was the other offensive lineman who did report, and Brad Allen got it all messed up. And the part that's also frustrating is the fact that Brad Allen just continues to double down that he was right, like not even entertaining the thought that he screwed this thing up, where we have – the biggest example of an official owning up to a mistake they made and that person being forgiven in Jim Joyce. Now, you may not remember this, but years and years ago, as um, I'm forgetting his first name, but his last name was Galarraga, a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, was throwing a perfect game. And on a bang-bang play at first base, Joyce got it wrong, called somebody safe when he was out. And after the game, gave a tearful apology, like felt so bad he was moved to tears. And like the next day, got a standing ovation at the stadium. Like admitting you're wrong as official isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign that you're a good official to me. And the fact that Brad Allen just refuses to even entertain the thought that maybe he was incorrect in how he assessed the situation is maddening to me. And, and uh, well of course and what's interesting is like I would go further than just like good official like a, a normal human being. <laughs> like <laughs> like a normal human being just is like my bad dude like make the like and again this is I think what fans are so frustrated with Roger Goodell and the NFL on is that you can just own them like you are human beings. Human being officials have been, I, this is also news here, Gabe. I don't know if you guys know this, but of, officials have been in fact human the entire time the NFL has been around. What? I know, I know. Kickers too, by the way, which is really even more startling. <laughs> but th- they have in fact been human, which means the human mistakes and the human errors are baked into the game. Every sport mm-hmm. we play, every sport we watch, every sport we enjoy has a human error element baked into it. Players, coaches, officials—it's part of the game. So just say the thing. And I think this is what's ultimately the most frustrating part of the relationship that fans have with the officials and, and the way Roger Goodell portends himself into the public is just that, that we are we have this air of perfection when it, you would actually probably earn yourself some grace the other direction. Now, here's what's, what's really – and again, th- just think about this logically from the Lions pers- – from any a normal football perspective. The Lions practice this play, which means – 
they line up and do it a lot, <laughs> which, in, which means they know exactly where they're supposed to line up. They lined up exactly the places they were supposed to line up. Jared Goff told his, his uh, Taylor Decker to go report to the official. We have it on camera. He went and talked to the official. Like, who do you think is wrong here? The one human being that never really has to answer questions that just happened to make the human mistake here? Or like every aspect of the Lions organization where they practice? Like, do you think that Dan Campbell has put this play into his playbook and not told Taylor Decker to report to the official? Or where to line up? Like, it's insane to think that the Lions screwed this up. It is insane to think the Lions did something wrong here. The hilarious part is that he said, you know, oh, then what were you talking to Decker about? Oh, he was talking to me about the other guy reporting. What? How does that make any sense? That's the explanation you go with? That Ugh. makes zero sense. By the way, Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth uh, Star-Telegram uh, in the last hour saying that per a source with knowledge of the situation, NFL not planning on changing the procedure for players reporting is eligible. League views this situation as an effort by the Lions to engage in deception and gamesmanship that backfired, which true. Oh, my God. Which is oh. true. Like, I don't think they need to change anything but with the way that this procedure works. You just no, the procedure to, worked perfectly. Correct. You just need to, you know, actually make sure that the person in charge right. on the field right. handles it correctly. Coming right. up next here on Greeny, MVP race is over. Don't ask us. Wait until you hear the odds this morning for Lamar Jackson per ESPN bet. We'll take there. We'll go there next here on Greeny, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. I don't want to talk about it. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to all other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greenie, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greenie. Greeny, the podcast. Off that New Year's bucket list with tickets from Vivid Seats, your home for every tackle, slap shot, and slam dunk. Vivid Seats celebrates fandom with unbeatable rewards like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. From Vivid Seats rewards you earn with every purchase. From tip-off to final buzzer, Vivid Seats has a great selection and great prices on all of the 2024 games that matter to you. Just just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. The Ravens lock up the top seed in the AFC. I mean, it is all good in Baltimore. Put points on the board. Our offensive line played phenomenal today. Receivers, tight ends, defense everywhere. We played lights out today. That's Raven football right there. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. Also on your smart speaker, just say play ESPN Radio. I'm Gabe Nodge along with Braden Gall filling in today. And I am so glad that Lamar put up the game that he did yesterday because he, he's he been the league MVP. But he's somebody that if you're just somebody who's looking at, you know, the, the box score and the raw stats... Like, they're okay. They're not as good as what his numbers were when he won his first MVP. He's not running around the league there. But when you watch him play and the control he has over the offense and over the game, for him to finally have that big explosion game, that makes me incredibly excited because I am a Lamar Jackson stan. I think he's fantastic. He kind of rubs it in the face of all the other teams that somehow, for whatever reason, didn't even want to inquire <laughs> if they could get him this past off season. And listen to this. This is insane. I, I didn't realize it got this out of hand, but um, Evan Wilner, our producer, put this up on our screen for us. Per ESPN bet, the MVP odds for Lamar Jackson after <laughs> yesterday's game, they might as well just take it off the board. It's minus 10,000. If you're not familiar with gambling, you know, and how it all works, the <laughs> minus what 10,000 means you would have to bet $10,000. Put down ten grand of your own money to win $100. That's all that $10,000 would get you right now for Lamar Jackson. That's how heavy of a favorite he is to now win the NFL MVP with one week of games left. 
I, I mean, if you package it with what they did on Monday night against the Niners, I think it, as you've just pointed out, scientifically, it is a it's a wrap. Lamar Jackson is your MVP. I believe that's two MVPs under the age of twenty six, which I don't think has ever been done before. Uh, I look, I, I would have Josh Allen at two, Patrick Mahomes at three. That's just my personal opinion, but I have no issue with Lamar Jackson. And I think how they did it against the two teams they've done it against again, which at the time were the two potentially the two top seeds in the NFL at the time going into this two-game stretch, and for them to dismantle both of them the way they have, that's 89 points they've scored in the two games against San Francisco and Miami. They ran the ball for over 160, and, and a lot of the, the rushing statistics, you're seeing Lamar Jackson lead his team in rushing because, again, they lose Mitchell, they lose Dobbins, they lose Andrews, and they just have this Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, has, I think you start, you've seen, it took him a little time at the beginning of the year, but Munkin and Lamar Jackson seem to be on the same page finally. And Todd Munkin was the best coordinator in college football for the last three years, won back-to-back national championships at Georgia, and he was the missing piece to sort of unlock some of Lamar's uh, ability. And then you just throw in this host of, like, former first-round receivers. <laughs> like They just got, like, all these guys that were drafted in the first round that, that are pretty good. They're not great. I think Zay Flowers has a chance to be really good. Yep. But like Rashad Bateman, high draft pick. Odell Beckham, high draft pick. Nelson Aguilar, high draft pick. And they're just throwing Isaiah Likely's out there. And oh, Justice, here's, here's a Justice Hill for you. Todd Munkin is working the strings, and Lamar Jackson is executing to perfection. 500 yards of offense, 56 points against Miami in a marquee showdown for the AFC's top spot, and they win it. Yeah, absolutely, Lamar Jackson's your MVP. Now, you can also separate that conversation, Gabe, from – what can you do in the playoffs? And I, until you until, until you do it in the playoffs, it's not disrespectful, it's not rude, it's not anti-Lamar to just say, look, until you do it in the playoffs, which he's won one game, I was there, I was covering the Titans at the time, it was here in Nashville, he's won one playoff game. You've got to win more than one playoff game in five years if you're going to be considered one of the game's elite players, which he should be, but you've got to do it in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, it's a very weird situation where he's going to have – well, I guess they won't announce the MVP until later in the season, but basically he has more MVPs than playoff wins right now, which is just crazy to think about. And, and some of that... <laughs> that is wild. And some of that is, you know, he's had injuries. You know, they've started, started Tyler Huntley in a, in, in a playoff game or two that they've, you know, when they've snuck into the playoffs as, as a wild card after uh, Lamar Jackson got hurt. But when you watch this team play, like, it's just easy to see that maybe, you know, he's not thrown for 350 and four touchdowns every single game. But it's easy to see, oh, yeah, this guy's just in control, and he's clearly the best player on the field. And I feel most of the time when you look at quarterbacks who end up winning MVPs or Heisman trophies, like when you look at what Jaden Daniels did in college football, he scored 50, he counted for 50 touchdowns. Like that number just jumps off the page at you. I don't know if Lamar has anything that necessarily jumps off the page, but again, it's one of those things you have to see it. If you haven't watched the Ravens this year, please, yeah. I mean, you've probably missed out on your chance. I don't know if they're going to play anybody. They've locked up the number one seed. <laughs> don't know if they're really going to, you know, really push anything in week 18. But Lamar Jackson, after the game, caught up with Sal Palantonio to talk about the locker room and how they were feeling after getting that number one seed in the AFC. All right, it's, it's ecstatic right now. You know, everybody happy. Uh, we can enjoy it for the day, you know, but still got season left. So we're we going to um, enjoy it uh, and then just – no lock in for next week. It's it's one of those things too where three weeks ago, I don't know how many people were thinking Ravens Super Bowl. But because of what was on their schedule and the way they handled it, San Francisco, Miami, and the way they boat raced both of those, 
it's got everybody thinking, oh, this actually could be the best team, or depending upon how you feel about San Francisco, the second best team in the NFL. And two two things here, I think, ultimately with Lamar that, again, which is what could be fascinating to think about, especially if you're a Ravens fan, at 26 years old because you could still have eight or nine more years of this. Now, his style of quarterback play doesn't tend to last as long as the statue guy who can just sling it all over the place. doesn't make him better or worse. It just means that style of play tends to degrade a little faster. But here's the most promising thing. It's not just that they're 13-3. and three. It's not just that Lamar is staying healthy, which is a key situation here. He's played 16 games this year, which is more than he has played in his entire career in a season. He's never started more than 15 games in a season. He's already started 16 this year. So staying healthy, one of the most important uh, impacts of his type of player and his type of game. But here's the most important part. Career high in completion percentage. Career high in yards per attempt. Career high in ratings. Like This is a guy who's playing the most efficient football of his career, passing through the air. And I think those are the numbers that really are encouraging to you to see that this guy truly is evolving and developing into an even better player uh, the, the same player who was an MVP at 22 years old in 2019. He's even better. He's even better. But it doesn't – career high in passing yards. Like, forget about the counting stats. Just look at the efficiency metrics. He's a more efficient player today than he has been his entire career. And I think that is – and staying healthy, you package efficiency with health and his skills, the sky's the limit. But then again, you still got to do it in the postseason. Uh, the other thing, if you have not watched a lot of Ravens games this year – Whenever Lamar escapes the pocket, it never actually looks like he's running that hard. He just kind of glides, <laughs> no, and he's no, no. somehow running past everyone. If you watched the Chiefs game at all yesterday, Isaiah Pacheco had a couple of passes that he caught or a couple of runs where you can tell he's like trying to run hard. You know, the, the knees are just really going. It looks like he's trying to run. Lamar never looks like that, and he's still the fastest guy in the field. It's, <laughs> I just can't make it make sense. But it's a lot of fun to watch, so I recommend it. Greeny, who, who was it that he was playing? I can't remember where he had like the, the, the nine-second scramble, and it ended up as oh, a yeah. touchdown pass in the back of the end zone. I, midway through the season, I can't remember who they were playing, but it was one of those where you're just like, how does anyone ever tackle this guy? <laughs> <laughs> it just it doesn't make sense, man. It's so fun to watch. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle, home, and auto and save. Visit Progressive.com. Michigan and Alabama, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Michigan's been here before. They have not won this. Alabama's been here before. They have won this. You're going to have probably the two teams that people love to hate the most. This is why you come to Michigan. They've only had their head coach for what, like four games this year? He's missed six. All year long, everybody has said what this Alabama team was not. And all they've done is continue to win, continue to stick together. For me, it's all about bragging rights. The Big Ten, the SEC. Greeny on ESPN Radio Game Nigel Braden Gall filling in on the show today. And I know, Braden, I know you're excited for the Ooh. college football playoff semifinals coming up later today. I hope everybody else is excited. So tell me if I'm wrong in this assessment. I think this is and should be the most anticipated semifinals in the history of the four-team playoff. And I come at it from this because I think all four teams have a legitimate chance at actually winning the national championship. I think if you said, oh, yeah, this team, Alabama wins, Texas wins, Washington, Michigan, you can see the scenario in everyone. And I think that's the fir- true for the first time since they've gone to the four-team playoff, that all four teams in the semifinal have a legit shot at winning the national championship. Yeah, and I, and I would assume that interest in the fi- the fi- these two games will be higher because of the brands that, that are being represented. When you have Texas, Michigan, and Alabama, three of the biggest brands 
in all of college football. I think that's true. You've got storylines with coaches coaching against their former teams. You, you, I mean, you kind of have a little bit of everything. You have Bama, the evil empire, which, by the way, is maybe the worst Bama team statistically that Nick Saban has ever had. You, who, but they have an extremely likable quarterback, which is also rare for Alabama. This might be Michigan. <laughs> this might be Jim Harbaugh's best football team at Michigan. But they're the team that everyone hates because of all the, the, the quote-unquote cheating. I mean, it's not even quote-unquote, I guess. It's just no, the it's cheating. Straight-up cheating. But M- multiple- they're the victims. Hey, don't forget, Braden. M- <laughs> Show respect to Michigan and their fans. They're the victims in this. But, but again, again, suspended two separate times. The number one team. If this was Bill Belichick, this is the only thing we would spend three hours talking about. If the Patriots were the one seed and Bill Belichick had been suspended not once but twice for two separate cheating incidents in the same season and the Patriots were the one seed, it is the only thing that we would talk about. That is what Michigan's doing right now. But it is their best team. And it's, it's clearly Jim Harbaugh's best team. But there's all the backstory about Jim Harbaugh potentially leaving. Also, Michigan hasn't won an outright national championship since, like, 1948. But this is the winningest program in the history of the sport. So, like, there's all those layers of psychology involved in this. Texas is leaving the Big 12. And if they win today, they will play in Houston, who, which is the backyard of their arch-rival Texas A&M, who left the Big 12 to get away from Texas. And now Texas is good enough to play in the SEC and win a national championship, and they're going to do it potentially in A&M's backyard. And then there's Washington. Washington is just like, they're changing leagues too. They're, they're on, you can't beat them in the fourth quarter. They've got an elite quarterback. They've got a really fun offense. But they're they're kind of like fun. The- Why does nobody want to like them or cheer for them? <laughs> I don't understand how all season long the, the narrative around Washington was, okay, they beat Oregon. Ah, Oregon will just beat them again when they meet in the Pac-12 championship game, and it won't be. I was game. one of those guys. Yeah, I was yeah, one of those guys. I, and, but but here, here's the thing. Can you separate? Because like, I think America's rooting for Washington. I mean, honestly, and you okay. heard Reese David say there, yep. say there in the imaging, as we say uh, in the business, uh, that, that – Alabama and Michigan are probably the two most hated programs in college football this year. It's hard to, to find two teams that people hate more if you're a neutral observer yes. than those than those two teams. And Texas Agreed. just and Texas just sort of has this like baked in inherent distaste that people have for them <laughs> yep. because they are the biggest, most powerful athletic department in the game and like they're sort of always a little dysfunctional and like we are Texas. And there's there's also some of that with Michigan as well. And we like, always have to ask the question every year, is Texas yeah, right, back? Right. Which, which everybody I mean, yeah, the, we all hate Obviously, it. it's yes. They're back. They're, in the, <laughs> we, you know, they're, they're in the college football playoff. I don't know where else you want them to be. So, but, but again, it's every single type of the sport. Every part of the sport is represented. You have the dynasty, and you have the team that can't get over the hump, Michigan. You have the dynasty in Alabama. You have Texas, which is the prominent program returning to glory. And then you have, like, again, Washington won a national championship in the early 90s. Like, it's not like this is a nobody, mm-hmm. but they're a program that doesn't recruit at the same level as these other teams. They're far more of a TCU than they are a Georgia or an Alabama. And so people, I think they're the underdog that people are rooting for. And so you have all these different parts of, they're, they're all the characters in the story, but they're all big teams, big brands, and deserving of being there. The, the point spreads are close for a reason. I think the games are going to be great. And oh, by the way, let's layer into all of this. This could be Jim Harbaugh's last day as the Michigan head coach. Yep. If Nick Saban wins a national championship, I would not be surprised if he retires. It's Texas's potential last game in the Big 12. Like, there's all these layers. The end of a playoff era, there's so many layers today, last, and I think it's going to be great. Last game ever for a Pac-12 football team? <laughs> yes, it's nuts. that conference is dead? It's nuts. It's so much today to look forward to, and I, I hope that the games deliver on, on what we as fans are expecting, and I think, I think they will. I think they will. I, I like that the two 
of the two, the most storied programs in Michigan, Alabama, of the four, are playing in the Rose Bowl, which, of course, the granddaddy of them all. But Nick Saban, during his press conference earlier this week, which, by the way, they did media day at Disneyland for the Rose Bowl, (laughs) uh, Saban talked about being doubted earlier in the season, because that's not a place you find Bama all that often. Well, we had some really good rat poison early. You know, it was almost like Wheaties, all right, because everybody criticized us and said we weren't any good and we're done and Coach Saban's past his prime and all that. I mean, it was, it was like getting eating Wheaties, you know, breakfast of champions. That helped us. I, I think we had bad early, then we've had a lot of good lately, and I think we got to handle the, we handled the bad well, and now we got to prove that we can handle the, the good and try to finish the season the way we'd like. For someone who tries to avoid the media, or at least says that he does, interesting that he threw the, oh, Coach Saban is done in there as part of the mm. uh, little diatribe that he had. But in fairness, this team was not very good early in the season, and they got to where they were because they kind of got back to some old-school Nick Saban roots, getting better defensively. And I don't know if I've seen a player grow at the college level the way Jalen Milrow has throughout the course of a season. it When you yep. watch the way he played against Georgia in the SEC championship game versus the way he played in Texas in the second game of the season, that's two different players. Well, and even in that game against Texas, he made big throws in the second half to take the lead against Texas. He just hasn't he just wasn't a fully formed quarterback yet. And I, I think what's fascinating, you know how hard it is to make an Alabama football team likable? You know how hard that is to do? <laughs> it's very hard. It's but, very difficult. But, but Nick Saban has been a different guy all year. I, I was with him. I was standing 10 feet from him at media days when he starts talking about grandma's kitchen and the carrot cake. And he has been a different guy the entire year. Like, he has been this – like, he's joking with his callers on his radio shows in Tuscaloosa. He's having fun with people. He's just been a lighter, more interesting, more entertaining – he's been a different guy. He's evolving. And then Jalen Milrow's story – could not be a more likable young man that you would want to root for objectively. Now, I realize that the script A on side of the helmet and on the, on the jacket, everyone has a visceral reaction to that A, and we all are like, oh, my God, okay, we hate the A. We, like, that's how people react to it. But he individually could not be a more likable guy. And, and so I think, I, I think people want to see Michigan in the championship game for some reason because I still think Alabama – People hate Alabama just a little bit more. It's like baked into their so DNA they hate longer. Michigan. It's not that they like Michigan. They ha- just hate Michigan less. I think so. I think so. I, I put up a poll question on uh, on the Twitter.com application there, Gabe, uh, last week. And <laughs> and it was like a 54-46 Michigan. There, people are rooting for Michigan. And I was a little surprised because of Jim Harbaugh's the whole thing, this whole entire story, this whole year. But I think it's just because the, the hatred and the apathy for Alabama is so baked into us as college football fans for like 15 years. And if you're older than that, like going back to Bear Bryant for like 70 years, you've hated Alabama. So uh, I just think it's easier to overcome that. Also, there's a Michigan story here. They split the national championship in 97 when Charles Woodson won the Heisman and Nebraska won it as well. They haven't won an outright one in 70 years. And it's like, the how can the... <laughs> How can they be like the plucky upstart? <laughs> like, like it's Michigan. It's we're Michigan. Talking about. It's Michigan. Of course, the Rose Bowl game presented by Prudential, number four Bama versus number one Michigan. It's happening today, five p.m. Eastern on ESPN at ESPN Radio, and the All-State Sugar Bowl follows it, th- number three Texas, number two Washington, eight forty-five p.m. Eastern tonight on ESPN and ESPN Radio. More on that coming up later in the show. But coming up next, there's an NFL team that actually won twice on Sunday. That's next. I'm Gabe Nudge along with Braden Gall in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series XM Channel 80, Gabe Knight, so Braden Gall hanging out with you. I feel outside of Jerry Jones, like a lot of these big brash owners that are kind of universally known and maybe even universally disliked have kind of gotten out of sports recently. You know, we talk about the Daniel Snyder selling. Maybe your mileage varies on Mark Cuban, who's still going to be a part of the Mavericks, but sold his majority interest in that basketball team. A lot of these owners aren't just around necessarily anymore, but one of the new ones trying to get on that list, because David Tepper, one of the new owners of the Carolina Panthers, uh, the principal owner of that team, he was caught on video during the loss. I don't know if, I'm assuming this was toward the end of the game, uh, apparently throwing a drink in the direction of fans. He had an open-air suite at Everbank Stadium, about three minutes left, after an interception by Bryce Young. It looked like he threw the rest of his drink out the window. Uh, Panthers have not commented. NFL telling multiple media outlets that the league is, quote, aware of the video and have no further comments at this time. This is a bad look, yes, but also objectively hilarious, right? uh, Thank you for saying objectively hilarious. That's literally the (laughs) phrase I was going to use because that's absolutely what it is. Now, I want to – so, yes, I think on one hand, let's all laugh on a New Year's Day – at a very, very, very rich man who is pissed off. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. He kind of deserves, like, again, the, the history of ownership there with Jerry Richardson now to David Tepper. I feel bad for the Panthers fans, number one. That's number sure. one. And it's objectively hilarious. But I think here's the other thing to consider. Like, let's take it seriously for a second. Just for a second. Okay. I know it's New Year's Day. Everyone's a little groggy right now. But if this was Lamar Jackson in San Francisco last week, let's say hypothetically the Niners had dominated the, the way the Bravens had dominated. Lamar Jackson's clearly frustrated, and at the end of the game, he takes a Gatorade bottle, and he squirts it all over a San Francisco 49er fan that's been heckling him. 
the amount of pearl-clutching outrage that would take place over Lamar Jackson doing something like that or a coach doing something like that would be absolutely insufferable. It would be insufferable if Lamar Jackson did something like that to a fan. So I, I would like to hope that fans of the sport will react and that the I, of course the NFL won't do this, but I'd like to think that we should be holding our most powerful people in the sport as accountable as we would hold the employees of these, these companies. Because again, if just imagine the pearl clutching across sports talk radio that would happen if Lamar Jackson squirted a Gatorade bottle all over a Niners fan because he was frustrated they were losing. That is, it's bonkers to think about that. Now, I am not personally a heckler when I attend sporting events. I'm, I'm not heckling any players. I'm not. He- that's not what I'm doing. Now, I certainly have some friends that I can picture in my mind that <laughs> if they knew they were sitting underneath, you know, an open air suite with the you know opposing team's owner in it, yeah, they would definitely go wild and, and have a good time of making sure that you know they made sure they were there. This heckler wears this as a badge of honor, right? Because that means oh, you ultimately sure. won. For sure, like you know, you got under his skin. You won. You're the winner. Yep. It's funny. I was so I cover the Titans here in Nashville, and Amy Adams Strunk, the owner, was in Philadelphia last year when A.J. Brown, the player they traded, John Robinson, the former general manager, traded to the Eagles, and she was getting double birds thrown at her by <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles fans because they were just like, you know, they were just heckling her. They were getting after her. And she then, like, two days later, fired John Robinson. <laughs> she, two days later, she fired the general manager and is now why the Tennessee Titans have s- such bad talent problems is because of the guy they fired. But, like, she was getting destroyed, and she didn't react in any of that, that kind of way. In fact, she looked inward and <laughs> blamed her own general manager <laughs> instead of throwing a it's, drink on somebody. It's, it's just, it's absurd. It's absurd. Look, yes, you're an adult. You're not supposed to do this, right? Like, we Ugh. can say all those things. But at the same time, I think it can still be funny that oh, absolutely. a billionaire yes. who has everything yes. in, at his disposal, whatever he wants, he owns an NFL team, he's printing money every Sunday, yep. and he got so frustrated that he decided to splash a drink on a fan. He, he acted like my five-year-old last night at the New Year's Eve party. Like, that's what my five-year-old would do if she didn't get what she wanted, yes. is, what, is, what, is what this billionaire... Like, again, let's try to... I just want people to think about it. If it was a quarterback or a head coach on a sideline... We, we would lose our minds. I'm not saying I would, but like the, the collective group think would lose its mind, and I, don't, I think this guy gets a pass. The NFL's not going to do anything about it, no. and we all laugh about it, but like it's not going to be taken as seriously as if a quarterback had did it. But the owners are the guys who are the ones making all the money here. They should be held accountable as well. The other part about yesterday, and maybe this is you know, why David Tepper is also frustrated, because his team's real bad. They had a number one pick last year, and they traded for it. They traded up because they wanted to go get Bryce Young. Well, this year has resulted in Bryce Young not looking great, except for last week against the Green Bay Packers when they scored 30 points. Uh, scored zero <laughs> points yesterday. Not that I'm a bitter Packers fan or anything. But they now have the number one pick, but they don't have the number one pick because they traded it. So the Chicago Bears, Ugh. who won yesterday, they now have officially the number one pick for the second consecutive season. What they do in Chicago is going to be wildly interesting because Justin Fields has looked good over the last four to five weeks. I mean, and then look at the organization. The organization has gone through all this off the field, uh, you know, all the drama off the field with the coaching staff and the personnel and all the other stuff. And is Justin Fields the guy? Is he not the guy? They have rounded into form. They're playing their best football and they have a bunch of top picks. I still don't think we know exactly what's going to happen with, with the coaching staff, with the with the quarterback. We just don't know yet, and I think it's a super interesting – I mean, it's one of the top storylines heading into the offseason for sure. 
could the Bears actually be good? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, and they've got an opportunity to keep their rival, the Packers, out of the postseason coming up on Sunday as well. Closest thing to confirmation, Jim Harbaugh's leaving. That's next, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.